I got into it and probably about nine months into it, I realized I'm in the right seat, but I'm on the wrong bus. I was just on the wrong bus. And I, I was starting to really feel that tension again of, okay, so you found the right seat. So what is the right bus? In a corporate world where all employees have great leaders with no egos that create fun cultures where people can do their best work, the employees and companies thrive while doing great things for the customers, themselves, and each other. Well, we know that rarely happens. I'm Jeff Palaccio. I have been a leader for over 40 years for every t-shirt size company from small 16 employees to extra large over 1 million. Please join me while I interview outstanding leaders that will share stories of great leadership and not so great. It will help you become a better leader while poking fun at all the crazy shit that happens in corporate America. Hi, I'm Joe Deshawn, and welcome to The Corporate Couch with Jeff Palaccio. Today, Jeff is interviewing Leslie Anderson. After nearly 20 years in retail leadership roles, Leslie is now a corporate coach, working with high-performance executives, helping them develop self-awareness that makes them better leaders and better in all of life's relationships. Leslie believes that the universe is always conspiring in our favor with infinite invitations to transform ourselves and the world around us. With insights from self-awareness, we can intentionally create the results we want as individuals, in the teams we lead, and in every relationship in every aspect of our lives. You can find out more about Leslie at lesliebanderson.com. Now, let's listen as Jeff talks to Leslie. I'd like to welcome Leslie Anderson, executive leadership coach to the show today. Good morning, Leslie. How are you? I am very good, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Uh, Leslie's one of my favorite people. We met back in, I think, 2014 or 2015 uh, during a networking meeting that I got introduced by one of her former Hallmark colleagues, uh, John Cohen. So, um, and she's become uh, a, a great, uh, I'll say, mentor and uh, confidant for me. So, uh, thank you. And she actually kicked me in the ass to get my podcast out there in the world because I've had the idea for about five years and we were having lunch at the peanut. Um, there might've been beers involved. I'm not sure. And she said, you need to get this idea out in the world. So thank you, Leslie, for getting my ass in gear and making this a, a reality. So, uh, you're one of my guests. So you are very, very welcome. You're very welcome. Yeah. So I'd like to ask, since we I do uh, these uh, podcast interviews for, uh, over Zoom, what um, so I can see what you're wearing on top. Would you like to share with the audience what you have on uh, beneath the, the camera? Oh, I have uh, workout attire on. Attire, workout I have got, I do. I've got on a... Um, you know, a workout jacket, a workout top. I've got my, the tennis shoes I wear, the leggings I wear. And uh, much of that is driven because, as you know, we have, we have a puppy. And I have found that just kind of what I put on in the morning, uh, this is just really, really flexible and comfortable and all the running around I have to do. And it just, 
it just so this is how it landed today. This Perfect. was it. Perfect. <laughs> I, you know, with with the pandemic and you know virtual meetings via Zoom or Microsoft Teams, I think it's been. Uh, I think they used to call them Zoom tops or whatever. You know, you would dress up on top, but you know. So I, I actually yep. have SpongeBob uh, pajama bottoms on, uh, but I have a nice shirt. So, anyhow, um, <laughs> so uh, you know the name of the podcast is uh, Corporate Couch Work Stories I Tell My Friends. So not that we're going into a therapy session or anything like that, but I think you know childhood, you know your childhood experiences and how you grow up really, you know. Um, impact your life in, in, in many different ways. So I'm not going to get deep on that. But, you know, growing up, you know, what did you want to be when you became an adult? Did you have any aspirations of a, of a career? Um, and what were they? Oh, that's a that's a great question. And, um, and you know, just to kind of tie off your comment, I, I think our origin story shows up everywhere everywhere and we're human first and so it's going to show up in our leadership it's going to show up how we do relationships no matter what they are um you know what is really interesting about my childhood is i uh i'm an only child so no brothers or sisters and so i remember uh having a lot of creative time by myself and the thing the thing I loved, absolutely loved doing when I was younger was I did this thing called playing restaurant, playing restaurant. And I was the, I was the entire vertical of the restaurant. I was the owner. I was the host hostess. I was the waiter waitress. I was the cook. I was the busser, dishwasher. The whole the whole life cycle. I was the life cycle of that restaurant, and I I loved doing it. There was something about I, I think probably what was underneath that is that I liked uh, I liked being of service. That 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 was the when I really reflect on that that that's my key takeaway is and food just, probably and food and 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 just that whole life cycle of the fantasy play that I was wrapped up in. It's, it's like, there's a process there. And I think I enjoyed just having my hand in all of it, but that that's uh, interesting. You know, I can't say that there was something very specific, like, Oh, I want to do X when I grow up that, that really didn't happen until, Oh Lord way later on in my career when I was able to get real focus on, yeah, this is what I, this is how I want to take that being of service. Yeah. So, get, yeah. So uh, yeah. kind of, uh, you know, walk me, walk us through your kind of career trajectory in terms of what you've done. And, you know, it seems you started out in the retail space, um, maybe had a yeah. business on your own. So uh, walk us through that. Oh, you bet. Um, when so here's here's a slice of irony um when i graduated from high school um my my grades were terrible terrible i was a terrible student and uh i had to sign up or my path my most immediate path was to sign up for classes at the junior college down the street which is a great junior college still 
And I remember being really confused about what I wanted to do. And I just, there was this thing called computers. Now I graduated in 82. So I'm about to turn 59. And there was this thing called computers, computer science. And and for whatever reason that uh, I'm very, I have always been very future oriented. And so that captivated my attention. I signed up for all the classes, got all the books, came home and my mom so what did you sign up for? And I said, mom, I signed up for computer science. And she looked at me and she said, there is no future in computers. <laughs> you need to go back to the, to the college and you need to figure something else out. And it was really amazing that I even listened because uh, I was a very obstinate focused child and young woman. And, and so I ended up going back and choosing uh, fashion merchandising. And what's really interesting is that uh, fashion merchandising is the coupling of not only the business aspect of fashion and merchandising, literally, and but there's also clothing and construction in there. So there's a very creative tactile aspect to it. And I, uh, I, I do believe this. Had I truly, truly, truly chosen more the creative angle, I think I probably could have made a, a career out of some sort of creative design aspect because I've got that, I've got a bend for it. But for whatever reason, I went the other direction, more in management and. It's it's just the way, it's the way uh, fate rolled out, and yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, <laughs> you and I are uh, about the same age. Uh, you you're probably a little younger, but I, I chose. I went the computer science route. I was a business major, but I um, my uh, focus, my concentration area was uh, computer. It was information systems. Because I knew I didn't know I didn't know about getting a job. I just knew this was a hot topic, computers, <laughs> and I knew I could get a job in it. My father was a welder and uh, union, and you know his career advice to me was, you know, don't work with your hands like me. Go into business. So it's just interesting, and I, I find it really interesting that you wanted to do that, and then chose fashion merchandising because I mean they're pretty much 180 degrees apart for the most part Oh yeah, in terms of a major, but you know, I think oh, yeah. they in are. the universe puts you where you want, you should be. Right. So, you know what, the universe needed me to go uh, in the direction of more of a business route. And that's where I went. And, and interestingly enough, I do have, I do have a personal philosophy that the universe is always conspiring in our favor. Always may not feel like it all the time right? or look like it, but ultimately. And so it, it, it did. I, that's the direction I went and I ended up going off to university, getting a four-year degree in uh, merchandising with a business minor. Oh, and, and just that, that poor student aspect still kept showing up. 
I was put on academic probation, I think twice wow. at, at university because I just oh, struggled, struggled with the books, struggled with the books. Now, I would not think that of you just knowing you, you know, how, you know, in terms of how much I know you, but that that is interesting. Do you think it's easier for an 18 year old today uh, versus when we were 18 to to have a career, you know, to know what they want to do? Because I, I feel that most I had no clue what I wanted to do at 18. Again, I just chose computers. because I knew I get a job. Um mm-hmm. But I don't know. I I don't know if it's different today. Uh, you know, mo- I do a lot of um, guest lecturing at various different colleges. Uh, some of my friends are uh, professors there, and and I I still find that it it seems like they don't know what they want to do still. But I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Absolutely. Um, I think it is an enormous expectation to put on an 18 year old, know what you want to do. And I, it, and there may be some 18 year olds out there that have it dialed in and figured out that are, are even earlier, they know what they want to do and they pursue it. Um, but, you know, I'm, I don't have data in front of me, but common sense tells me that's, those are outlier experiences and that the majority of 18 year olds don't know what the hell they want to do when they're 18 years old. And I think, I think this whole concept of a gap year or gap years is, I love that. It's just space, space to breathe, space to breathe and to perhaps follow one's instincts and to look at, hey, what am I good at? What do I enjoy? Um, maybe take your time off of academics. I just, I love that whole gap year concept. And that, I I don't remember that concept even at all when I was graduating from no. high school. <laughs> we wanted to graduate and get out on our own. <laughs> That's where I think yeah. uh, some of the- It was uh, like, no, you go get into college and you go get a job. That's it. Yeah. You know, the number one question uh, I get when I guest lecture, when we open it up to Q&A, you know, it always comes to careers and as well as should I get my MBA? This is usually an undergraduate class. And I say, okay, this is my opinion. Do not tell your parents what I'm telling you. I have my (laughs) MBA. I, I think it meant more when I got it in the, in the 80s. Um, and unless you want to spend, you know, 200000 north of $200,000 and go to a Wharton, a Stanford, a Fuqua, you know, Duke school, you know, Duke or any of the, you know, top 10, mm-hmm. um, it, I don't know if it means as much as well as it's different today. There's so many ways to learn and oh. there's so many, you know, you can do a side business and have a a job and you're going to, you know, there's your MBA right there. You know, you're going to put something out there on e-commerce, you know, do a Shopify site and sell X, Y, Z and market Mm -hmm. it and do social media and, you know, do logistics and shipping and finance, you know, you're going to get it all and you'll, Mm -hmm. you know, 
So if you invest, you want to invest $50,000 in a business that you would have paid, you know, twice as much or four times as much to get an MBA, it's probably better learning mm -hmm. as well as you have potential to make money and not just you know, <laughs> spend money. But it's my opinion. Uh, people's mileage may vary. So that's that's how I look at it. Um, so, yeah. So you, so you were in retail space in, in, in the beginning, I think. Uh, some high-end brands, too. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, uh, after I, I did graduate with my Bachelor of Science and I ended up going to work for a company called Hermes of Paris. And it is a very old company, um, 250 years old and based out of Paris, family owned. And it was just serendipitous how all of that unfolded. And that, that working for that company really started shaping a lot of different aspects, how to run a business, how to coach, how to grow a team, how to handle competing priorities, how to, what's great customer service look like, what's a great product look like, um, just the whole, the whole vertical. Um, and interestingly, Hermes, at least then, I don't, I don't know now, then the company was completely vertically integrated. So they had control a hand in every part of the life cycle of their products from design to creation, to selling, marketing, to uh, the end of its life cycle and whatever those choices were to eliminate that product. Um, which interestingly enough was my restaurant fantasy gig <laughs> when I'm eight years old or whatever. And that, but that company really instilled in me what it means to have meaningful connection with clients and deliver an impeccable product. It, it, it really, really did jade me. And, and I think it's really where I started getting this glimpse of, um, of coaching. And interestingly enough, it wasn't necessarily with um, the team it was with clients and i and i didn't even recognize it myself at first there were there was one specific occasion where i'm helping customer with a scarf so hermes is known for their scarves and i'm showing scarves etc and this customer just starts pouring their heart out to me and saying things to me that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of astonished with the degree of vulnerability that the, this person is having with me. And, you know, I don't know what I did. I probably just do what I do called holding space. So I just kind of listened and maybe asked some questions and they seemed to feel better. And thank me for my time. Maybe they bought a scarf and they went on about their business. But I think the pivotal moment was apparently this, this kind of situation was happening all the time. And I didn't even recognize it. And one of the staff members, the team members, uh, 
came up to me afterwards, after this particular one, and said something like, what, what is going on? What is going on with you and customers? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, it just seems like every, every, you know, people will just come up to you and they just end up like pouring their heart out to you. Like just, I hear, I hear, I overhear what they say to you. And it's just, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's wild. What, what's up with that? And I, I just, it was like this moment of like, wow, it's kind of, it's kind of true. That it, that's a true statement. And it, it just kind of stuck with me that I, um, I think it boils down to, for whatever reason, I have an ability to create safety, safety between myself and another human being. And, and they, they open up. They open up and, and show themselves. And so that was probably the first kind of, hey, what's going on with that? That caught my attention. And I was probably 26, something like that, 27. Right. Yeah. Wow. So did you, ha you think you had that, uh, the, you know, that attribute? you know, were friends like that growing up and in high school and even college, or did you kind of develop it or what, how do you think it, you know, did it surface later? I, I had in high school and in college, a capacity to develop deep, rich, meaningful conversation. Now, Whatever that conversation looked like at 18 or in my early 20s in college, that's obviously going to have a different flavor and context to rich and meaningful conversations now. Uh, I was never quite I was never quite satisfied talking about fashion all the time. And that was the industry I was in. It was like just I wanted I wanted a little bit meatier topic, and maybe it would have been philosophical or something like that. Um, but that, yeah, my friendships, I had very I had a I was not the type of individual that had a huge circle of friends whatsoever. I had one or two very close friends, and those friendships went deep in conversation. So that that was pretty much always present, high school and college. Yeah. So, I, what I think is interesting too that, um, and we can get into this as we talk about your leadership coaching. But you know, I I would consider you a a, a deep thinker, like you. You know, like you're very. <laughs> no, I would. You're very. You know, it's. Most you and I have talked over lunch, coffee, whatever, you know, and you know, talk about the universe. You know, one of my five strength finders, uh, Gallup strength finders is uh, connectedness. So I believe there's no uh, coincidences. All events have meaning, you know, all the, those type of things. And I think you and I sh kind of share that. And I think that to mm -hmm. me, I, 
you know, I, I probably told you things early on that I would never tell someone I've just met for the first or second time. But I think you do have that, that trait where people want to open up to you. And obviously being a, you know, a good listener is, you know, part of that, right? You're, because oh yeah, it's, it's, it's no one wants to fill the pregnant, pa- well, I should uh, reverse that. People want to fill the pregnant pause, but really good listeners don't. And that, that allows the person they're talking to, to fill the pregnant pause with more meaningful and deep comments. So it, I would it, agree with that. Yeah. So do you, I mean, were you like, as a kid, were you a good listener? Cause most kids are not. <laughs> no, I, I was, oh no, I was, uh, I, I was a, I was and still am very much a free spirit, very much a free spirit. Uh, autonomy, autonomy uh, was and still is very important to me. And uh, just, no, I don't think I was a good listener growing up. I, I don't, I don't think so. Um but, you know, I mean, you're really having me get curious about that. There must have been, you know, for those friendships to have developed in high school and college and for those uh, clients at Hermes in my early days to be able to open up like that. There must have been some degree of um, listening happening and yeah. just, yeah, so th- there must have been. And I... And what's what's interesting, if I if I really think about it, I don't think in terms of, oh wow, I was a really that's not what strikes me. I, I was I've always been a good listener. No. I think what strikes me is it's I it's almost like I have a capacity to see beyond, see beyond the the turmoil that someone may be going through and see more purely who who they who they are and their their capacity or just to kind of you know see them witness them and maybe that in turn turns into listening i don't know um but yeah you, you've really got my my mind going on that one like that's good <laughs> get your mind going that, that's a compliment um in a good way I mean, very intelligent um so oh, thank you would you consider yourself an empath leslie would i consider myself an empath so that actually is a is a is a is a topic kind of circulating in my awareness here of of recent um i I I think, and maybe this is the definition of an empath. I I am sensitive to shifts in in uh, subtleties of how people show up, and like I can sense shifts in moods. Uh, just little things like that. And, and there was a, there was a point in time in my life where 
I would, it would be, how do I say it? Um, take it personally. And it wasn't personal. And, and, uh, and kind of, you know, it, it'd be a little bitey for me. Um, and so it's, it's taken time and maturity just to kind of balance that out and to almost have a, you know, like a, a cloche over me, a cloche of sorts to kind of protect. Right. Yeah. I, or some sort of permeable membrane where I'm able to protect the sensitive parts of myself. Um, but there's still some messaging happening that I'm not like shutting down. Right. It's just more, is that, is that, is that making sense? I know that sounds a bit ethereal. Yeah, no, I mean, I think so. I mean, you were, you are a great leader and now a leadership coach, but you know, you talk about psychological safety, right? So people are going to, in a trusting environment, yes. you're going to talk about, you know, you, you, you're obviously aware of that you're observant, whether you're an empath or not. I mean, you're observant, right? And people changing moods and things mm -hmm. like that. And you're, mm -hmm. and you're a really good listener. So those are three great qualities of a great leader. Uh, what other qualities do you think you have that, you know, during your career in the, in the retail space, as well as Hallmark and CBiz, you know, kind of, elevated you to where people wanted to follow you and, you know, be a part of your team? You know, I think it takes, um, you know, this kind of goes back to, you know, something you said in the beginning, our childhood and things like that. And I'm going to circle back around to that. I, it is our, our origin story and everything that we experienced as children, young adults, young professionals, you name it. Um, it, it's there. It's, it's there within us. It, it, these are our experiences. And those ex experiences, if they were really challenging, and we haven't quite um, gleaned the gold from those circumstances yet, they impact us as human beings, our, the filters that we have, the, how we hear, what we say. And all of that shows up in leadership, how we lead. And so the, I think the decision to look out for one's blind spots, to have a, a trusted sort, a, a trusted source of some sort, Maybe it's your beloved, maybe it's a therapist. I mean, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. That's giving some sort of reflective feedback and listening to it. So cultivating self-awareness and, and being willing to listen to those things and being able to really listen within ourselves. You know, gosh, I've been, I've been doing this, this one thing for so long and it, was working great and now it's not working anymore. Why is that? What, what in me is trying to shed a layer and a more authentic self come forward. And I think that authentic self 
is um, a peeling back of an onion of sorts and and it shows up in leadership and i think i think that's how you become a great leader is you work on your own shit yeah i would totally agree because i mean you um you have to yeah you have to like you said peel back the onion have self you gotta peel it back yeah you have to yeah definitely And, and you learn it's a journey you know, uh, for me, I think I was kind of a natural leader. I was very introverted and uh, believe it or not, in, you know, junior high, high school, I was very, uh, that is a shock extroverted with my friends, but I was very shy, you know, but I think, you know, part of that was just, you know, it's, it's always growing up is awkward. There's, you know, the, you know, uh, junior high, high school type thing. But I mean, it's, you know, I was, when I played sports and I loved sports, you know, I played, you know, kind of leadership roles. I was a quarterback, I was a catcher, I was a point guard, you know, so I, you know, I'd like being involved in leading, um, even though at times I was introverted, but I, I felt a comfort zone in sports and I'd love playing it, uh, playing them. So, um, mm-hmm. so tell me about, uh, what made you make the transition after a career, you know, at, at various companies, mm-hmm. uh, probably the last one being CBiz you worked at. So what made you say, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm done. I, my gift to the world is developing legendary leaders. And I know I can do it, you know, as best as anyone, at least, you know, you know, um, because obviously there's a lot of executive coaches out there, but there's only one Leslie Anderson doing it. Right? So, <laughs> you know, what's, what made you leave the corporate world, go out on your own and what, you know, besides, you know, most websites of executive coaches wouldn't talk about the universe conspiring in your favor. Right. So just talk about, <laughs> it's like a threefold questions, but uh, talk about those things. Yes. Well, I'm going to back up just a pinch. And when I was still was still doing the retail gig, which was fun and gratifying in a lot of different ways, I realized that it was the developing the people part, not running the business part, that enlivened me. So uh, I I had I had an experience that that really uh, culminated all of that. Um, I was working for a company and I had a, a leader that, um, we, I, this leader had a, a very different way of leading a team than I would have done. And there had been quite a bit of turnover at this business unit. And, in part, it was because of this leader's leadership style. And it, it was a real clarifying moment that um, I, I, I came to the, the statement of, or, or the belief of profits cover a lot of sin. Profits can cover a lot of sin. And specifically, it can cover up some leadership sin. And, um, 
and I just remember making this declaration. I, I want, I want better. I want better for a team. I want better for, I just want, I, there's a better way to do it. And that's when I decided I'm going to go back and get my master's degree and started working on the master's degree um, in organizational development, had to choose a, an emphasis, which was executive coaching. And I remember signing up for it and they were talking to me about uh, OD, um, organizational development and executive coaching. And I was just kind of chuckling like, oh, I'm already, that. so that's what that thing's called. It's called coaching. Oh, I'm, I'm already, I'm actually already doing that. <laughs> and the OD piece, I was already doing it too, but in, incredibly informal, I didn't have, I didn't have the toolkit, you know, the framing. So I go back and um, I ended up getting derailed from that master's and took an opportunity at Hallmark actually um, and was having fun with that. Had a health crisis, nothing like a health crisis to wake one up. And I really came to the realization, all right, I need to get back in my master's degree and I need to do what I am here to do in this lifetime. And it's to specifically pour into people and to leverage this, this special sauce I have about building safety and asking good questions and helping people meet their goals. And I ended up uh, with Hallmark. I, it's like I just came to this tension point in myself that I have, I have to leave. I have to leave. And I don't have another job in the field that I want. And so I, I literally quit without having a job and serendipitously CBiz showed up and asked if I wanted to join their team and um, help build out an executive coaching and leadership development service line for them. And I said, yes. And I got into it and probably about nine months into it, I realized I'm in the right seat, but I'm on the wrong bus. And CBiz is an amazing company. They do what they do very well. And I just, uh, I was just on the wrong bus. It's on the wrong bus. And it took, it took, um, I, I was starting to really feel that tension again of, okay, so you found the right seat. So what is the right bus? And I remember interviewing, uh, interviewing with an organization that was uh, building out a coaching arm in their business. And, and I, was, I was a great fit for the job. And interviewing, and um, I ended up not getting the job. And I was I was crushed. I was crushed. And, and I just remember thinking, okay, if it's not this, if it's not that bus, then what bus am I supposed to be on? And I talked to a dear friend and here's where you have to have somebody in your corner that's willing to shoot you, shoot you the truth straight. And she just basically said, Leslie, you are building a business for CBiz. And 
you're not going to have, you're not going to have anything when you leave because you're doing it for them. So why aren't you doing it for yourself? And I knew, oh my God, that's the truth. That is the truth. I'm the bus. I'm the bus. I'm the bus and I'm the seat. Right. <laughs> and it took, yeah. And it just took a, a, an enormous amount of um, just bravery, sheer bravery to trust. I know how to do this and I can do it really, really well. And I'm going to, I'm going to vote for me. I'm going to pour into me so I can pour into others. And, and that's what, that's what did it. I, I, somebody so, had to somebody had to tell me the truth. Yeah. So uh, a couple different things uh, based on that. So that might be an example of where you really do need your MBA uh, in that specific curriculum. I know I'm, I'm saying that seriously. No, meaning like it gave you, you know, credential, right? Because you were is executive coaching, organizational development, MBA. It's very specific, right? You can be an MBA. Right. You know, so right. I don't know. I mean, your thoughts on that? Did, I mean, did it help you credential wise? Well, getting getting my master's in OD helped me helped me a lot. It helped me a lot. Um, it so the whole the whole people piece that I have just an, an intrinsic understanding of the degree put put the framing around it. Uh -huh. e even, even the coaching certification, put the framing around it. And that because, was part of the MBA. You got the coaching certification. Well, the, not the MBA. Um, it's a, it's a master's in OD. Okay. So not, no, not an, I could not survive an MBA. Um, it, it, it put structure around creativity is a beautiful thing. And it also needs structure in order to be birthed, some sort of structure. It may be a loose structure or a tight structure, but it has to have, it has to have structure in order to happen. It's like a paradox. It's like a paradox. And so that's what the MSOD did. It gave, it gave structure to better understanding, um, the ins and outs of working with people and working with teams. It, it just, it helped. It helped. It was the, it was the framing and I needed, I needed the framing for what my, my gut and my intuition were already really good at doing, but it was like messy. It right. was messy. And the, and the, the education tighten it up. And I'll add that I, I graduated with all A's except one B in a class. So I redeemed myself from all those years of, uh, <laughs> of not being a good student. <laughs> so how old were you when you uh, completed the uh, MSOD? Oh, I think in 17, I'm sitting here looking at the degree. I think it was in 17, 2017. Okay. So you're well, yeah. well into your career, right? So you now you, oh. I mean, you're, yeah, you've had experiences 
you know, uh, oh, yeah. retail space, Hallmark, your own business. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well into it. And it was time well spent, mm-hmm. money well spent. It was it was hard, but I had a blast. I mean, there's even a part of me that keeps kicking around. Do I want to do I want to go back and get a Ph.D.? And that's that I don't you know, I don't know. Right. I don't know. That's that's a whole nother amped up commitment. So nine months into CBiz, though, you're you're saying, you know, I'm on the right seat, but the wrong bus. And I uh, <sighs> I don't have your uh, your bio in front of me, but you were three plus years at CBiz. I I spent let's see, I think I was there right at. Two and a half years. Okay something like that. Yeah. yeah. And so my instinct was already kicking in. Right. Something's not right about this. So how, and you know what, here's what's interesting. I, from all the executives that I have coached and, and all different pe- kinds of people uh, and, and respective roles and things like that. And I, it it seems like we we get an understanding of it's time it's time to move on it's time to make a shift or something like that and we we don't listen to our own selves it's like we don't it's like the expression the expression of what we end up knowing intuitively we're like i don't know 2 or 3 years behind ourselves it's really, at least that's been my observation. Mm-hmm. Um, leaders that I've talked to who have been, the roles have been eliminated or something like that. Every one of them have said, you know, I kind of knew a couple of years ago that I needed to leave. I kind of knew a year ago. I kind of got this feeling. And and it's it's just, it's it's hard. It's hard to make a change. It's hard the sunk cost that we have in I've spent all this time with an organization and with CBiz, I had put in so much effort, so much effort to build out this business. And, and I was having, I was having fun because I was on the right seat. I was rather in the right seat. And, um, and one of the reasons that business in, in my opinion, runs so well is because they have mechanisms and processes to execute what they do. And, and I, it is very hard for me to be systematic about things that I do. It's just, it is, it's very, very hard for me. And so it, it did, it was like, I was having so much fun and enjoying it, enjoying what I was doing, enjoying the the team that was there and I was, I was making progress. I I wasn't doing it at exactly how they wanted me to do it, but progress was getting made slowly, but surely. And so there were positives coming, but in my gut, I knew this, this isn't going to last. Right. Well, it's that universe conspiring, right. In your favor, right. You, you needed that two and a half years at CBiz. 
you you didn't get that one job that you thought it was almost a shoe in to get right that would have put you on another path right and so another path yeah. it would have delayed the inevitable right yeah inevitably i was i i've always been supposed to go out on my own it's just it's just been kind of waiting out there for me for me to kind of wake up to it so i finally woke up to it and and it, and and that, and for me it it's been um, one of the best decisions, top best five decisions I've ever made in my life. And, and being out on one's own isn't for everyone because it's, it's not fun at all. <laughs> there are aspects of it that are just unwanted tasks and things like that. So. Yeah. I mean, it's so different than working for a company. I mean, it's having experienced mm -hmm. myself and going through it uh, the last couple of years. I mean, it's just you, you full, uh, you're so used to a salary and a nice bonus and corporate per, you know, there's, and, and, and it's really, you know, sometimes when I'm like um, looking at prospecting or, developing uh, a constant contact campaign to for an, uh, pro, you know a prospect email I'm going to send out and you're like god you know I want to be in front of the prospect I want to pitch them how I can help them how I can add value and help them achieve their goals and mm -hmm. that's that's what I do right but part of it is also the mundane you know, building lists to go out there, posting on LinkedIn, which is not mundane, but, you know, it's, 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 it's all that little stuff, like, you know, creating, you know, the content and the creative for constant contact email campaigns. Like, yeah, that is the, that is the business Do, doing X, Y, Z, you know, it, it's just, it's all part of it. It is part of your job, you know, and it's, it is it's totally different. It is. Um, um I always like to ask people about the worst uh, manager they ever had. I don't know if that person at Hallmark was yours. Uh, I don't need any names unless you'd like to reveal them and publicly uh, put them out there. But uh, it, <laughs> oh gosh, no. Uh, yeah, I didn't think so. Uh, <laughs> what I mean, some attributes of the worst boss, and 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 you know, it's going to be the opposite of what a good leader is, right? But maybe give a unbelievably crazy story of what that person did or uh you know an, an action a, a meeting a, you know what 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 did that look like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna answer that question this way there has been i have absolutely numerous examples of uh of bosses that have um manipulated situations said things in manner in a manner that could have been done with far more elegance um uh used hearsay versus direct observation all all sorts of kind of things and i and those those were those were painful those were painful. They were. And what is what is amazing is each of those uh, leaders that um, showed up the way they did for whatever reason and 
unintentionally pushed pushed that button in me that got me worked up absolutely 100% ended up being a blessing 100% because and we're going to go back to that that thing that you said at the beginning how our younger selves show up and there there were aspects of my origin story that I can 100% point to that it was getting evoked in me through every one of those leaders that challenged me. Now, it doesn't let them off the hook for how they showed up, but point being, I can't manage their side of the net. I can only manage my side of the net. And so it forced me to manage my own side of the net and to dig a little deeper and to figure out what was going on. And I did. And I am, I am the better for it. I am, oh, I have so much more clarity now. And, and that aspect of myself that was getting punched back then, that button getting punched, it's taken care of. It's like, I know, I know, I know that feeling within me. And so if anyone happens to say something and that feeling gets evoked in me, it's like, I know what it's all about. And to me, that is the seat of incredible power to know why I am feeling what I am feeling. Why am I feeling what I'm feeling? And I think that is a beautiful place for leadership and to be a human being. And so they were, those were not fun times going through those situations with those leaders, but it served me. It served me at such a depth and, and I, I don't have any hard feelings. It's like, it's it's complete. It's complete. It's done. Right. Okay. So I'm not going to get a crazy story out of you out of bad. Leave, you, but- you are not. <laughs> you are not going to get a crazy story out of me. You're so not. Let's let's, <laughs> so let's talk about now. And um, who, uh, you know, explain the difference between you know, or not the difference, but you know, what do you bring to the table in executive coaching as well as who is like the prime, you know, candidate to work with you? You know, what does that person look like and their attitude, their personality and all that? Because, and obviously you're working with leaders that want to take the next step, right? That that they need to be more, you know, complete in their leadership else they wouldn't reach out to you, right? Um, and I think, you know, any coach, whether it's a personal trainer, executive leadership coach. I mean, you know, it's a hard, it's a hard um, business to be in from a perspective of most people that are willing to have a coach usually already have one or, and which is, I think the minority, uh, the majority of, I think of executives, at least they, they don't think they need any coaching. (laughs) which is different, right? So they're not a prospect. And it's really that, you know, that in between. So somebody 
maybe they had a falling out with their coach or had a coach years ago and now wants to get back into it. But I'll let you uh, expand on because uh, obviously you have more experience in it than I do. So go ahead. You know, I, I, I get called for a wide variety of reasons, anywhere from there's, there's a problem and this leader is at risk um, for leaving or, uh, you know, senior counsel has been involved because it's just, it's a tough situation. And this is maybe a, um, an effort to really, really help this leader. So kind of high risk all the way to leaders who I, I, I'm ready to take the next step and I don't know how to take it. And, and so it's a wide spectrum. Um, and hmm, it's, you know, even when, even when we come to the table, um, this is me included at hundred percent. I, you know what, I want to work on this. I want to work on this. This is, this is in my way of me being the best version of myself. It, it is hard work. Coaching is hard work. Self-reflection is hard work. And, and it takes, it takes an enormous amount of bravery for a leader to, to just open up and to be able to hear not only the, the gifts that they bring to the table, but maybe how overusing those gifts has now turned into not so much of a gift. It's, it's become a hindrance um, or overdeveloping one aspect of self without looking at other aspects of self. It's, it's hard, it's hard work. It is very hard work. And every leader kind of comes to the table with some varying degree of willingness Um some leaders are completely conscious of this is going to be hard. I'm going to dive in, roll up my sleeves, and we're going to do this thing. And there's other leaders that come in with um, a little uh, a little bit of uh, not knowing what they're stepping into, but there's a sliver of willingness. And then they get into it, and they're like, oh, this is what this is about. Um and I and I am upfront with an at an in initial like meet and greets that I trust is paramount. So creating that sanctuary of you you put in the container what you want to put in the container. And it and it stays there. And I'm gonna ask hard questions. I'm gonna really, I'm gonna dig. <laughs> I'm a digger. <laughs> And I'm going to dig where it's soft. And, and some leaders have, uh, you know, they, they want to put up the defenses and it's like, okay, that's all right. I just need to reapproach, And, you know, with a hard question. Um, and there's some leaders that they just, okay, I'll answer that. And, and we'll dig some. And um, probably if we're talking only about like 
business. Like if, if a conversation, a coaching conversation strictly only stays at the business level, because we have to do the funny thing about business is that it, it, it does get done through people and relationships. And so if it's going to stay strictly at business, then it's like, you need to go hire a consultant. I'm not a consultant. I'm not here to consult you on your business because eventually in discussing business, it's going to get brought up. So-and-so isn't doing what they need to be doing. Oh, really? Okay. Now it gets to talking about leadership, but the personal has to be brought in. The people aspect has to be brought in. It really does. I feel like that was a really disjointed rambling answer to your so question. Good. So I'm, I, I don't know if this is top of mind for me. Uh, I have, uh, I, I went to one of Marshall Goldsmith's programs back in, um, in the, uh, the 2012 range when I was at Beringer Ingelheim and they were a member of the Institute for Management Studies, IMS, Marshall Goldsmith's had a long, and now I'm actually consulting with IMS um, so back in 2012, I went through his course, uh, uh, based on his book, what got you here won't get you there. And then I just finished, uh, his newest book, the earned life. So I don't know, like I said, I literally just finished it this morning. Uh, so it's top of mind, but you kind of remind me a little bit in your philosophy, coaching philosophy of Marshall Goldsmith. So do you, do you have any reaction to that? Oh, I think that's a, a lovely compliment. That is a lovely, thank you. And I would, I 100% agree with that, you know, kind of, it's an is, it's a, it's an ism. It's, you know, what got you, what is it? What got you here? Well, what got you, you here won't get you there. Oh, that is, that is truth with a capital T. That is, that's true in leadership. It's true in being a human. I mean, it's just, it's true. It is a that is a hundred percent true. Absolutely. So when you're when you're working with an executive, <clears throat> what what's your favorite part of your relationship with that person, and your what do you really love about it? You know it it makes my job easier when and and funner if there's a if there's a, a fun and enjoyment gratifying aspect to it is when the client wants to do the work. They want to do the work. They realize this is work, so I'm going to work. And and we're able to co-create and dance together. That is a beautiful thing. And when clients show up and it's all about deflection, and not uh, owning self-accountability, having self-responsibility. Um, that, that makes it, that, that's hard. <laughs> so yeah, what makes it fun is when a client shows up ready to do the work and we can, we can dance together. And what's a typical um, engagement uh, working with you? Is it a year-long process, six months, 18 months? It is It is a year-long, and we meet two times a month for, 
you know, hour, hour and a half each time. We have client stipulated goals. I do some assessments. I, I might, you know, uh, make some recommendations. Hey, you know, you might want to think about this area for a goal and we dive in for an entire year. And that, even that was a learning process. Um, you know, as I said earlier, you know, coming, coming to the table, you know, I want a coach. I really want one because I want to achieve or meet this goal or be better be better at my leadership or whatever it is, even that willingness, it's going to be hard because, because changing our behavior, human behavior is really, really hard. And so it was just through learning about it, really getting my arms wrapped around that, that having working with a client for six sessions, eight sessions, 10 sessions is just it's just not enough time. It's just not enough time for, for them to go through an arc of change and, um, and to make a difference, to really make a difference. So a year, that's, that's the commitment I asked for. Yeah, which makes total sense. Do you see any one area in leadership in common with the, the executives you work with? Um, you know, always, it's always about communication. I had somebody ask me, oh, this was probably four, three or four years ago. And I was on a networking call and, and we were wrapping up our call and this person asked me, so could you, could you narrow down every leader's all the people that you have coached, could you narrow down? Is there one, one thing, one thing? And they even told me, oh, I don't even think there's one thing. I said, oh yeah, there's one thing. It's communication. Not enough, too little, how, how it's said, what's not said. It's, it, it all boils down to some flavor of communication. Yeah, I've Some worked- flavor of it. Yeah, I've worked for every size company, 16 employees to over a million, and every employee survey that ever comes out, the communication is poor. It's just, it's it's boggling. A recent company I worked at, they did multiple employee surveys, and um, kind of the office was split in two with um, kind of sales and marketing on one side and finance, IT, yada yada on the other and that's where Mm -hmm. the ceo's office was on the other side not the sales and marketing side and you know two surveys had gone by and said the ceo never comes to the other side like never walks around says hello how you doing and like Mm -hmm. you know and then i work there and i'm like yeah i've not seen this you know like i don't understand like you know how could you not take the you it's there in black and white <laughs> and you're and you still do it i it's any thoughts on that i mean it's just you know they're intelligent people they're running a company and to not do something that's you know it's just so counterintuitive to me you know like <laughs> if somebody tells me like i need to do something now you know i, I take it in consideration but that's so apparent and an easy fix that 
You know, I would say it, it just hasn't gotten painful enough. I, you know, there, there is a is lack of a, caring, a lack of caring. Hmm. I don't know. Um, there, there is a cycle of awareness called gestalt, gestalt cycle of awareness. And, and I don't, I don't know it terribly well at all. Um, but what I, what I do remember about it is that there is, um, there are things trying to come into our awareness all the time. And what happens is it's like, it goes through, we go through cycles of it hitting our awareness and it's almost like it's in our peripheral vision, you know, something that we need to, to address and it may come front and center, but somehow we, we miss it. You know, it's, we just, we miss it. And, and, and we go through layers of that. And, and I believe that it, it really doesn't get my attention. Something doesn't really get my attention until I am really at a pain point around it really at a pain point, like maybe even crisis. Um, are all people like that? Am I like that all the time? No. Um, but I think sometimes um, leaders can get information. And, and let's just back up. Yeah, they're a leader, but they're a human first. They're human. And it could be that without knowing the complete textual contextual nature of everything that it keeps coming into their awareness. And for whatever reason, it's just, it's just not time to do anything about it or don't want to do anything about it. And I think ultimately it's that it's just, it hasn't gotten critical enough yet. It just hasn't gotten critical enough yet. Yeah, it's, it's it's always intrigued me. So um, thank you for your thoughts on that. So uh, wrap up, I'm going to ask you for career advice for two different sets of people. The, the first, uh, start with the younger group. Um, so using all your wisdom. So what advice would you have to a recent college graduate um, or about to be, you know, graduating, let's say, you know, May of this year um, in terms of a career, you know, and, and what to focus on right out of college? I would say that uh, really make sure that you enjoy, enjoy what you're doing. Really enjoy what you're doing. And if you're going to do it at an organization, that that organization aligns with your own values and how they express their values and how your values are expressed. And, and that when you show up at interviews, that you have every right to interview the organization as much as the organization is interviewing you because that organization is trying to unpack your suitcase to see what's going on inside of of, of how you do things and your critical thinking and the value you're going to add. And you need to be equally as 
curious and discerning as they're attempting to be because it's a two-way street. So basically balance out the power. Yeah. Love that. Love it. Yes. Um, And then for the second uh, kind of demographic, you know, these are the people that are contemplating, you know, jumping ship from corporate America and and doing their own thing uh, like you did. Uh, What, what advice would you have for them? To have as much clarity as you can get on why you're moving away from one thing and towards another. If there is any flavor of running away from something, chances are you'll probably recreate the exact same scenario at the new at the new gig. So be really clear about why you're wanting to leave and what it, and what you're stepping towards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great advice. Leslie, you're phenomenal. One of my favorites. Thank you so much for being one of my first guests on this podcast. Uh, oh, and thank any you. other closing thoughts? How could people see about your services? Uh, um, your oh, just go to the website. Yeah, just go to the website. Call me. Yeah, that's Les, uh, and yep. it's uh, LeslieAnderson.com, right? Leslie, Leslie B. Anderson. B. Anderson. Okay. Yeah, B. Yeah. <laughs> Be, be yourself because everybody else is already taken. All right. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Leslie. I really appreciate you. And um, thank you for the we'll time. I really enjoyed it. That was a great episode with Leslie Anderson. What I love about her story is how she took a corporate career and really decided to go out on her own and become an executive coach, executive leadership coach. Um, not many executive coaches talk about the universe conspiring to be everything in our favor. And I really loved her advice. And this is for anyone, whether they're thinking about getting a new job or moving from a W-2 job to their own uh, individual entrepreneurial efforts. But what I love what she says is don't run away from something, run to something. Joe, what was your big takeaway on Leslie's episode? Oh, I I think that's a great quote. And one thing that I am always intrigued with, and after hearing somebody like Leslie speak, is even the concept of of an executive coach. I think that's interesting. You know, if if I had a job that was like just some menial, low-entry job where I got paid by the hour to do X... And I did that thing and they paid me to do that thing. And then I went home. There's, there's nothing more than that. That's just, is, it is what it is. But when you get on an executive level, you get to the point where there's, there's more than one way to do your job. And, and you don't always know what that is. And the danger is that you can get cocooned. You can, you can get in your own little world and think that you must be doing things right because nobody's telling you anything wrong and your staff's never going to tell you that you're doing something wrong or that you could be doing something better. So it makes sense then to bring in somebody from the outside, like Leslie, like an executive coach, bring them in from the outside and say, give it to me straight and have them tell you exactly what's going on in your life, what you could do better, what you're doing wrong. And uh, it, it's just an interesting concept that exists only at that level that I'm, I, I've always found that fascinating. 
Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. So to end, uh, Joe, any word, words of wisdom, leadership advice you want to give? Yeah, I'm always reminded of the great quote from the great Michael Scott, where he said, fool me once, strike one, fool me twice, strike three. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Corporate Couch. If you enjoy the podcast, I would love for you to take two minutes out of your day to rate us five stars and write a review. Please join me next week to learn from another great leader sharing their professional journey and insights.